Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel one by one. We will be spoiler-free of details of future episodes, but prepare yourself for possible spoilers from previous episodes discussed. I'm Jason, and I also enjoy the work of Denzel Washington. <laughs> I my favorite, my personal favorite performance of his is as Coach Boone in Remember the Titans. Nice. I am Harrison, and uh, my favorite Denzel performance is I don't know. I, the most recent one I watched was The Manchurian Candidate. So I'm going to say it's that. Okay. Um, have, you, have you not seen Training Day? I've not seen Training Day, actually. Wow. Okay. I actually haven't seen a lot of his movies. Um, no, I'll be honest. I haven't seen Malcolm X, which was the one that they were discussing yeah. in this episode. Uh, but It's on HBO Max, but it's three and a half hours oh, long. Wow. Like, if, if a movie runtime goes over three hours, that's when I need to, like, just schedule a time to watch it and set aside that time. That's what I did for Gone with the Wind. I recently did that for The Godfather Part 2. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a commitment. Jason, what episode are we watching today? We are watching Angel Season 2, Episode 3, First Impressions. This is the one where Cordelia tries to help Gunn after having a vision about him and gets to see part of his world. While uh, Angel has some extremely steamy dreams mm -hmm. about our girl, Darla. Yes. First Impressions was written by Sean Ryan and directed by James A. Cotner, and it originally aired on October 10th, 2000. How about some intro music? Yeah, how about it? Well, Jason, what are you drinking today? Uh, well, you were kind enough to pour me a glass of bourbon. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe it was Ancient Age. It is. Okay. So, sorry about that. That's okay. It's all we had. <laughs> it's like, the quality of a bourbon is measured by the whether its container is glass or plastic. <laughs> <laughs> For instance, uh, I believe it's early times. Ugh. That is, a, that is a plastic bottle bourbon all the way. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, I am drinking a uh, bourbon and ginger of the same variety. Um, yeah. How about you take us away on a toast? Okay. Well, um, as we are both uh, actors in the theater. Actors. Actors. Um, and, uh, and you're also a, a writer and director. Uh sometimes director for uh, the theater. Um, this, uh, at the time of recording, we are, uh, this is a, this is our first episode after Thanksgiving and the day after Thanksgiving, we lost quite possibly the greatest voice in musical theater ever. Definitely of the uh, late 20th century. Mm -hmm. um, and that'd be Mr. Stephen Sondheim. Uh, his shows, if, if you don't know his shows, you're clearly not gay, and why are you even listening to this, pod no, this podcast for everyone? Um, but no, his famous works include, um, he did the uh, he did the music for West Side Story. The lyrics. He did the lyrics for West Side Story. Um, Sweeney Todd, Into the Woods, Sunday in the Park with George, Assassins, my personal favorite musical of all time. Uh, and it just kind of goes on and on. And... Uh, I feel like there's, I feel like there are very few actors that haven't had a per, like, and I'm just, I'm not just talking about theater actors, stage actors, I'm talking about actors in general that haven't been somewhat influenced by Mr. Stephen Sondheim. Yeah. And uh, I met Harrison when we did a production of Sweeney Todd. Yep. Um, we were some bad guys. We were the bad guys. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, another thing to owe to Stephen Sondheim. Uh, but yeah. Here's to, uh, here's to Mr. Sondheim. Yes. Uh, yeah, that was a rough one. It was, I was very sad. Um, but you know what? 91 years young, uh, very, very successful life and goddamn what a legacy to leave yeah, behind. Yeah, he'll, 
he'll pretty much be remembered forever. Yeah. Um, I, I did see a uh, a tweet that Lin Manuel Lin Manuel Miranda posted that was like future historians. I don't want you to have to go through what we're going through with like the Shakespeare thing. Sondheim wrote all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty funny. All right, let's dive into first impressions. Well, I guess like um, we kind of get like a. Now, did Sondheim write Send in the Clowns, or is that from a different show? He did. Like, oh, yeah. I was about to say, like, because I think we've got a little tie there. We do. Um, because um, Angel has returned to, um, oh, crap, what's the name of the club? Caritas. Caritas. Um, and uh, the host is there, and he nice. is just complimenting Angel on a, on a, uh, a doodly, a doodly, not a medley, uh, but it is, um, Angel has just done Tears of a Clown and Send in the Clowns, and remind me what show Send in the Clowns is from? Um, a Little Night Music. Yeah, okay, that's mm-hmm. it. So, Jason, if you were to continue, so I put you on the spot like this, but I'm also putting myself on the spot because I haven't thought about it either, continue the clown theme and make this a true medley, what... What song would you pick? Everybody's going to hate me for saying this, but anything by Insane Clown Posse. Okay. All right. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, so it's not in the title, but uh, I would say I Got You, Babe, because okay. um, it does have the lyric, and when I'm sad, you're a clown, and if I get scared, you're always around. Okay. All right. I'll allow it. Um, That's what comes to mind at first. <laughs> I, uh, the only song I can think of, like, off the top of my head that has the word clown in the title is Be a Clown. Um, but that one's very, like, upbeat, doesn't feel like it goes with the other two, which are more melancholy. So maybe Mm -hmm. it's, like, a somber version. Yeah. Um. Nothing, nothing hits home like a sad clown. (laughs) Um. So, yeah. Those are our clown picks. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, so the host compliments Angel on, um, his, uh, on his song choice and also, uh, says that, oh, you've been practicing, haven't you? (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I, I just love Andy Hallett so so much. Um, he does talk about, uh, how's your heart doing though? And mentions that, uh, Angel's kind of in an uphill battle. Uh, and then he starts singing, what is the song that he does? Oh, that's a great question. Um, it was very familiar, uh, but don't have it off the top of my head. Get Here is the name of the song. That's probably one of those songs that I've heard but never knew the... It's by uh, Brenda Russell. Okay. Yeah, um, I, don't, I did not know the artist or the name of the song. But uh, anyway, while he is singing this, Angel walks out onto the floor and sees Darla wearing an absolutely stunning red dress Mm -hmm. and looking just beautiful in it. Red is such a good color for Julie Benz. And also, I mean, it works for the whole vampire thing, too. It does. But yeah, just in case you guys forgot about Darla, uh, Angel sure hasn't because... It, Angel's not freaked out at all at seeing her. In, in fact, they decide to dance while the host sings. And it's nice. And we realize that, hey, guess what? It's a dream. Uh, I love the, the way, like, everyone else in the bar just disappears. Mm-hmm. I, that's a, um, a really great dream-like technique uh, that I utilized. Um, it's, it's nice shorthand for... Hey, if you haven't figured it out, this is dream. I feel like they've used. I feel like they used it at least once in La La Land, and mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, I've, I've seen that technique before, and I like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and Angel is just sleeping, and uh, of course, he's not wearing a shirt while he sleeps. Mm. We get a lot of shirtless Angel in this, much to Harrison's delight. Mm. I'm gonna have a hard time on the uh, on the gay agenda this week. I think I know which one it's gonna be, but uh, this episode was really giving, uh, <laughs> really giving. Um, but yeah, so the next morning, or excuse me, after the, I guess it's technically it's the afternoon, <laughs> uh, but after the opening credits, 
uh, Gun walks into the uh, hotel, the Hyperion, and uh, Cordy's in the middle of trying to dust everything, but there's dust everywhere. It's dust that multiplies and makes dust babies. <laughs> and uh, Gun is basically like, where's Angel? We've got, got a job to do. And uh, they're like, well, he's still sleeping. It's like, it's th- it's three in the afternoon. I've been awake since dawn. And uh, while he's complaining, uh, guess who comes in ready to fight some demons? David Nabbit! Hey! Our billionaire friend! I legitimately forgot about him. Me too. <laughs> of course, I think any time he shows up in the show, it's after I've legitimately forgot about him. Uh, but he comes with sword and cape ready. Bit bright purple cape too. <laughs> like, dude is dude is re- dude is ready for LARPing, right? Not for uh, <laughs> not for demon fighting. And you know what? He's so he's so rich. He can afford a better cape. That thing looks like trash. <laughs> well, it definitely looks like something that you would wear to a to an as stereotypical D&D night as you can think of. Yeah. And just a heads up, I, I've played D&D before, and I don't feel like anybody's ever had the urge to wear a cape. I, unless they didn't tell me about it. So like, <laughs> God, I could just imagine like one of my friends sitting there like, I really, I really want to wear a cape, but I'm afraid to ask if it's okay. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> And everybody looks at me the same way, like, oh, no, I'm Cape Guy. <laughs> uh, listen, Cape Guy, if you're out there, wear your cape. Yeah, be you, man. Yeah. Um, and also, like, if I ever end up playing uh, D&D with any of you listeners and you feel the urge to wear a cape, do it. I'm not going to. I'm not going <laughs> to judge you. In fact, hell, I'll probably be like, yeah. Good job. Good on you. I like that cape, bro. Yeah. God, you know what? Next time I play Dungeons and Dragons, I might wear a cape. Just for the hell of it. I don't know if I have a cape, though. If I do, it's it's black. It's not bright purple. <laughs> uh, anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. David <laughs> um, Abbott. Yeah, um, and David is there ready to slay demons. He meets uh, he meets Gun. Gun's like, who's this motherfucker? <laughs> uh, but uh, Angel does wake up, and David is asking Angel, like, oh, what are we going to do? What, what is it you need me to do? And he's like, oh, I need financial advice. And uh, and he says that uh, he wants to eventually buy the Hyperion Hotel, but he doesn't know how to do it and not spend money at the same time. And that's when David immediately just lists off all the different options that Angel has, some of which I actually understood, having done the whole, like, property buying thing myself. <laughs> Obviously not on this scale, but uh, basically his very informative... Uh, his very informative opinion gives Cordelia hot. Yeah, I know what Cordy's gay agenda is this week. <laughs> is, I mean, is it a gay agenda? I mean, you know, shorthand. It's not a gay agenda, but you, you know what you knew what I meant. So yeah. colloquial. Yeah, I mean, sploosh. Her, 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 her version of the gay agenda, <laughs> the Cordy agenda. But uh, but yeah, and so he he says that he'll write it all up for. He'll, he'll write it all up for Angel. So that's nice that he he gets some help. Yep. Uh, he gets to help out Angel because Lord knows he like, I want to be friends with you guys and everything. <laughs> and, uh, and that's a wrap on David Nabbit. We will never see him again. Ever on the show? Ever on the show. Well, he does get a mention later on in the episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, Gunn is like, all right, let's let's do this. And he's like, well, we need Wes and Cordy, too. It's like, you can't drag the whole gang along. It's like, and uh, Angels thinks like the demon is powerful as uh, Dvac. 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 Uh, oh, I have some thoughts about Dvac. Oh, me too, actually. <laughs> uh, so they end up meeting a young man named Jamil. And Gunn had arranged to get some information from him. And Angel has the bribe money. They give it to him, but Dvac... Er, well, just blew it. Uh, <laughs> Dvac scares Jamil uh, a lot more than Gun does, and Gun and Jamil refuses to give Gun any of the info. Uh, Gun then just like starts wailing on Jamil because he wants the information. His people are dying, 
and uh, Cordy and Angel have to hold him back. We haven't known Gunn long enough yet for to, maybe for us to know whether this beatdown feels out of character. But this beatdown feels kind of out of character for for Gunn. Like, do you know what I mean? Like the severity of it. Yeah it it kind of gives Gunn a little bit more of an air of desperation for getting for trying to find Dvac than we've seen from really any right. of his other appearances. Because apart from when his sister was kidnapped and turned into a vampire, Gunn's pretty pretty much kept his cool. Right, and and maybe it's just the slip out a few of my thoughts on Dvac here. I don't find Dvac threatening or impressive at all. I don't I don't like don't find him uh intimidating as a villain. So yeah, to see Gunn react in a way uh this strongly to this threat, whereas you know, even when his sister was kidnapped, he kept it relatively cool. I mean he was upset, but he wasn't going around delivering beatdowns like this. Yeah. Um, felt off to me. I, I agree. Uh, but yeah, and so uh, three vampires show up. Jamil gets away. And uh, and the gang starts fighting the vampires. They do end up beating them. However, a lot of them got like the crap kicked out of them. Yeah. Uh, um, Angel's got broken rib. Uh Gun, I can't remember what. I think he said like his wrists hurt or something like that. Yeah, and uh, and Wesley threw his back. Um, and Cordy got a stain. Cordy got a stain on her new outfit. Just <laughs> yeah. imagine the dry cleaning bill. Uh, but yeah, Gun basically kind of uh, is a little disappointed with uh, Angel Investigations helping him out because they didn't seem like they really helped them out. Um, and uh, he's gonna go look for Jamil. And Cordy says, oh, can you be a little more like, um, oh, I can't remember who she says, but from L.A. Confidential instead of Michael Madsen in Reservoir Dogs. It's a and, guy Pierce? Uh, yes. Yes, you're right. Um, I haven't seen L.A. Confidential, but I have seen Reservoir Dogs, and I know exactly what Cordelia is referring to. <laughs> um, it, oh, there's our other clown song. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here oh. I am, stuck in the middle with you. Nice. There you go. <laughs> All right. There we go. Oh, yeah. We've done yeah. it. We've solved the clown conundrum. If, if you haven't seen Reservoir Dogs, there is a scene where that song will probably be forever changed for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's intense. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit of an interrogation. <laughs> uh, but uh, also, not my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie, because I'm... Most Quentin Tarantino movies I don't like, but uh, probably my second favorite. Your ever. first is Inglorious Bastards. Yes, yeah. um, that one. That one just hit me the right way. Yep, uh, like a like a bat from a large Jewish man, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like Michael Madsen. I don't think that was Michael Madsen though. No, I know. I was <laughs> just going back to the Reservoir Dogs. Since. Gotcha. Although he's more, he doesn't really hit. He's more knife happy. Yeah, yeah. I think he, in that. Yeah, he's all about the. Well, you know what? Here's a spoiler for Reservoir Dogs. He like does little tiny cuts with a knife nice. while dancing to um, "Stuck in the Middle with You." <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and she makes all those movie references. And Gunn says, "I haven't seen a movie since Denzel was robbed of the Oscar for Malcolm X." And uh, and then he like goes away, and everybody, I think they're att- the gang is attempting to talk about. The problem, but at the same time, all they're doing is just talking about how good Denzel Washington yeah. is. Which, he is. This is a very funny little yeah. little comedy of errors. Because uh, well, first, um, it's Cordelia's like, well, that was quite a performance. And Wesley was like, yes, Gunn is very upset. She's like, no, I meant Denzel. <laughs> and, and what do you think, Angel? And Angel's like, Denzel's, who doesn't love Denzel? Yeah. And then... Uh, and you know I can't because then Wesley's like, well, uh, or 
then the subject gets changed back to what they're actually on about. And I can't be mad at Wesley for thinking they're still talking about Denzel. <laughs> no one has actually changed the subject. Uh, you know what? I think this weekend I might try to watch, um, I might try to watch Malcolm X. I think it's back nice. on HBO Max. Um, but yeah, it's, like I said, I gotta, I gotta schedule the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the gang goes off to uh, the gang goes off to their own to their own uh, their own doings. Um, Cordelia drops Angel off at the hotel. Angel says, "I'm gonna get some sleep," and Cordelia says, Look, "That's kind of all that you've been doing lately." And honestly, if I was having the dreams that Angel was having, <laughs> I'd want to sleep a lot too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cordy goes home and. Uh, Phantom Dennis apparently keeps the yes. He, Phantom Dennis, Phantom Dennis is back. He's uh he's he's got the he's got the temperature set to like the fifties. You right? Uh, a damn which, Phantom. Dennis. Yeah, I'm like, and I'm guessing it's October in LA, so I guess that can kind of be a hit or miss on what exactly the weather is going to be like. Yeah. It could be chilly. It could not be. I would imagine. Having never been to LA, um, but having a brief, like, a slight understanding of deserts um, and, like, that part of the world, that it's probably still pretty warm during the day, but it gets yeah, cold at night. Quite, quite chilly yeah. at night, I would guess. Yeah, I've, I've been to LA, but it was in November, and uh, it was only for a day at the, uh, we went to Universal Studios, and, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't remember the exact weather, but I do remember uh, wearing like a t-shirt and jeans to Universal Studios. But we were also gone before the day was out. Um, Cordy's got a book and some tea, and she's about to have like a really nice night in, and I love that for her. Yeah, until she doesn't. She's <laughs> uh, looking real cozy. Yeah, I love the sweater. Yeah, and then unfortunately she has a vision, and. Uh, is a gun. This looks like a pretty painful vision. Yeah, it looks like it hits her, like... It looks like she almost gets, like, two or three, like, visions separately. Which actually makes sense when we consider what Cordy realizes her vision actually means um, at the end of the episode. That it's not this one specific danger the gun is in. Um, Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, but you know, I don't love that for her. I want, no, I want, yeah. I wanted Cordy to have her night. Girl needs her night. Just movie night with Phantom Dennis. Well, it, it wasn't movie night; it was book night. Oh, that's true. Book yeah. club with Phantom Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you what, I mean, from personal experience, I can tell you that uh, once you have a hot drink and you're in a book in your hand and you're like cozied up on your favorite chair or couch. You do not want to leave that position at all. Like, bathroom breaks and that's it. (laughs) And even then, it's hard to convince yourself to get up. It's like, I mean, I can just do laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Should have invested in a diaper. (laughs) Oh, goodness. By the way, I've never peed on myself out of... Just complete laziness of going. <laughs> that was all for that was all for humor. Would like to clarify. Uh, I was like, God, motherfucker, just pees on himself when he's reading. I only pee on myself for sexual gratification. Am I lying, Jason? After receiving the vision, Cordelia... I am not into that. I am not into that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like. But you, I saw the, the look in your eyes where you were doing the math. You were like... No, I... <laughs> I feel like we're such good friends that I think I can tell when you're into something and when you're not into something. That's fair. Um, and, uh, yeah, that that doesn't seem your thing. Yeah. We're not kink-shaming anybody. No, it's just not for me. Yeah. Golden shower to your heart's delight, listeners. If you're into that. Yeah. And to and, your heart's delight. So and, if your heart is not delighted, don't do it. Yeah. And also, like, make sure that it's with another consenting person. Mm-hmm. Or consenting yourself. Anyway. God, really we've been gotten out really of on this. Um, this is... I, I think we exceeded 69% gayer. We need to dial it back. I don't know if that's technically gay. I that's think true. It, Anyone yeah. can golden shower. 
It's, yeah, it's an equal opportunity kink. <laughs> Good lord. Alright, we're done. We're done talking about that. I need to go to church. <laughs> Take me to church, I'll worship like a dog. Alright, but anyway. Uh, oh yeah, so... Cordy tries to call Angel. Angel's too busy uh, in Dreamland. And, uh, oh, this... If you guys thought that first dream was steamy, this one is uh, Darla and Angel on the beach. Mm. Uh, once again, we have shirtless Angel, but it makes sense because, you know, he's just wearing swim trunks. But uh, he hears the phone in his dream, but he's like, what's that ring? And Darla's just like, ignore it. And then she takes a uh, nice little ice cube and just runs it across his chest. Oh. Hot. So, three things. One. Three things. Hot. Yeah. Two, I loved their both of their swimwear um, that they were wearing. Um, yeah, I feel like if I mean it's ridiculous to even think about Angel and swimwear at all. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the red swim trunks. So yeah, I could go with that. They were they looked nice. They fit well. And then Darla had like a blue, kind of like a light blue, maybe lavender uh, bikini. And it, the bikini shorts were those ones that have like a half skirt, mm-hmm. which I always, I always, I like that aesthetic a lot. And she looked great. Um, and then the third thing, I loved the added touch of like, yeah, like beach wear, lying out at the beach, wear, sunglasses and all, but it's nighttime. Yeah. Uh, really gave it that, um, very, um, uh, uncanny, sort of um vibe like yeah it's a dream your logic can be anything so they could have had it be sunny in daytime and we've seen dream sequences where angels in the daytime like um the wedding dream with him and buffy Mm -hmm. um but yeah i just something about this like night like at the beach was uh, but everything else was like your typical day at the beach sort of setting. But yeah. I liked a lot. Yeah. Um, so he's not, he's not waking up out of that dream. No, not bro. Uh, like I said, if I had that kind of dream, be right there with him. Uh, and but by, by right there with him, I mean I'd be with Darla. <laughs> You'd be with Angel. I'd yeah, this Darla. works out. Yeah, the system works. Yeah, I like it. Um, <laughs> it's actually really funny. Uh, that reminds me of when. Um, uh, ben and I went to a convention, and uh, and at that convention, Matt Smith and Karen Gillan were there. Um, I believe uh, it was it might have been the year that Matt Smith left Doctor Who, hmm. but obviously at the point at that point, Karen Gillan had been gone for a while. Uh, but yeah, we went up to get our uh, get our picture taken with them, and it's really funny because uh, Ben kind of immediately went to Matt Smith, and I immediately <laughs> went to Karen Gillan. And, uh, and it's, we had a really good picture and, uh, it was super funny because afterwards I was like, oh yeah, were you like fine going to like Matt Smith and me to carry I was like, and Vince said, I think we both went to exactly where we needed to be. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, yeah, that was super fun. Nice. Um, but yeah, so we, um, so yeah, and Wesley isn't answering his phone either. We have no idea why he isn't answering his oh. phone. Oh. I no, I think we. I just figured this out when we were recording or when we started the recording earlier. I don't think it's that he's not answering his phone. Um, I think it's the problem is that she's trying to page him, and his pager oh, got broken right. during oh, the fight. Oh, I completely forgot about yeah. that. Nice. I didn't make that connection until nice. we were talking about the Denzel discussion. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a much more important detail than I thought before. Yeah. Wes's well, pager does break um, in the fight. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, good on the writers because I like I didn't pick that up at all, but I mean, it's there. Yeah, yeah. Can't help it if your audience is too dumb not to get it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Cordy decides that hey, she's got to go help Gun on her own, and uh, she um, she grabs her axe from the from the uh, from the closet because you know. She needs a weapon. Yep. She's and, got uh, the weapons from A to Z. From axe to the other axe. 
Boy, oh boy. Uh, but that was from that was from last week's Buffy, uh-huh. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was like, we, I know that I've heard that. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but also, yeah. I want to say I did look up. I found like a it was like a military like uh, encyclopedia or something um, or like history, but it was basically like every weapon in history, and right. I could not find any weapon that starts with a Z. Um, there were a lot of, like, ships whose name, like, battleships and stuff yeah. whose name started with Z, but I could not find a wep- a specific weapon okay. that's name starts with a Z. So, uh, Buffy, you need to have your weapons from A to Y, from axe to... Your other axe. Your other axe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I mean... I mean, that's a lot to axe of her. It is, it is. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a big axe. We really shouldn't be axing her to alphabetize her weapons in such a way. Uh, let's axe this conversation. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's hit it in the head. Oh, razor's edge. Oh. <laughs> uh, so for all of those of you who haven't rage quit this episode, <laughs> um, if they got through the golden shower, I'm sure they get through bad axe puns. It's not even bad axe puns; it's one bad axe pun <laughs> that we insisted on repeating. Um, but anyway, so uh, Cordelia does. I was like, I was half torn between: do I want to make another axe pun or do I want to go? Let's go on with the episode. Cordelia does find. Uh, does find gun. He's fighting Joey. Uh, they are clearly fighting with sticks or with stabs. Um, yep. And uh, but Cordelia just rushes in gung ho and bonks Joey on the head with her axe. And let's just say Joey's very lucky that um, he Thick. got bonked with a blunt edge because it looked like she was really close to just right? axing right in the head. Oh my god. Totally different episode. Like, <laughs> yeah, that would be a turn. Um, Cordelia helps. We'll say this for Cordelia. She does help bandage him up, and he says, "I think she's like good as new." He's like, "I think you cracked my skull." Like, well, that's new. <laughs> Love Cordelia. Uh, Cordelia is trying to say that she had a vision. Gun, and meanwhile, is being pissed that. Cordy came in to save him in the middle of a fight in front of his crew, and uh, he doesn't like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a pride thing. It is a pride thing. Uh, but yeah, and so Gun takes her to the car, which is Angel's car that Angel had let her drive at the beginning of the episode, which she was so stoked about, uh, and she kind of took it from uh, from the hotel. Without asking Angel, because motherfucker's asleep. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, when she gets out, she realizes that it's been stolen. Yes, indeedy. So Gunn is going to try to help her get it back. So uh, Angel is still dreaming about Darla, um, but he notices that Wesley is building a big old coffin or tombstone mm-hmm. look like a coffin it, like well he's definitely like pounding <laughs> he's pounding wood <laughs> he's he's definitely pounding something wooden but it looks like a tombstone like it could also be like a giant tombstone mm-hmm. too either way it's it's some kind of death imagery and uh so angel angel's mad that darla like disappears and wesley's there so he starts choking him and that's when Angel snaps his senses and realizes that he's actually choking Wesley in real life. Also, Angel sleeps in the nude, so many things making Wesley uncomfortable at the moment. So, let's talk about the fact, not only is Angel naked, but I mean, let's just be real. Angel has a full erection. <laughs> like, sorry, he does. <laughs> Which Wesley is just, like, eye-level with. <laughs> and that, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone else, is the gay agenda this also, week. Also, he's getting choked out, too. Yeah, he is. I mean, it is not consensual, but he's getting choked out. In another life, <laughs> this is a consensual moment. Um, so, yeah. Uh, 
uh, Wesley Wyndham Price and Angel's massive throbbing cock is my gauge into this week. <laughs> so I'm going to go on a limb and say that you are not into getting choked out. Um, light choking is okay. Okay. Alright, yeah. I mean, not like, not like what no, Angel's no. doing to Wesley. And, you know, for our listeners and anyone else who might care, when you are partaking in choking, uh, like choke play, you do not hold the person, your partner's neck from the front. You hold it from the side. Oh. So that you are not actually choking them. Yeah. Um, you get the sensation without the danger. And and I feel like at this point have a safe signal mm-hmm. because say, yeah, it's important to have a safe word, but say like some actual choking does start to happen, you can't get out the safe word. So I don't know, like hold up three fingers or something mm-hmm. like that yeah. or like tap yeah. tap the, tap out tap out yeah tap out <laughs> um, that's when you get your third and like <laughs> sub them in yeah i myself i i can't like speak from experience because uh i i've never like done any of that and and i mean like i don't know like if if a girl says she was into it and i would have to do some research beforehand because i'm I feel like anytime there would be like anytime like trying something like trying a kink or something with a person, I would have to do some research beforehand because yeah. I, I I'm more of like a very straight up just kind of like in and out. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you want to put it as bluntly as you can, <laughs> yeah. I well, no, I think that's a smart way to do it. Anytime you want to engage in some sexual behavior that you haven't before look into it especially if it is one that's higher risk yeah, of injury or yeah. um certainly um anyway uh, that's actually my kink is doing research on sexual positions i mean i mean you joke but i honestly think like that could be yeah. like a kink because like you because when you do the research there's no danger in it and i mean if you're doing the research by yourself no judgment from like from your partner. And, uh, yeah, like, I mean, you can just see, like, oh, wow, you can do that? <laughs> or that's how you do that? That's so cool. Upside down? <laughs> I mean, we're just talking, like, Kama Sutra here, maybe. <laughs> like, just flipping through the pages of the Kama Sutra. Um, oh, goodness. Yeah. Hey, you know, these are these are the important conversations we yeah. have on this podcast. Um, but, yeah, so, after Angel... Let's go of Wesley. Um, he uh, was a just the guns in trouble. Um, and so the car is gone. And uh, luckily, Wes still has his... Wes still has his uh, bike from his rogue demon hunter <laughs> days. And uh, he has two... He also has two helmets. But one of them is uh, a pink helmet... And Angel immediately assumes the lady's helmet. Oh my gosh, Angel, suck it up! Yeah, stop, yeah. stop, stop being a wanker. Stop, stop. Yeah, like Wesley's just like fuck the patriarchy. Angel, wear the pink helmet. Yeah, you're still a man. Trust me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Angel does have to wear the pink helmet, uh, and uh, so Gun eventually. Tracks down a guy. Well, the first car, de- the first um, car dealership he goes to, I can't remember that guy's name. I don't either. Um, and it doesn't have it in the. It's not Joey Keenan, maybe. Maybe. Nope. Stop it, Penn Station ad. <laughs> no, Keenan is from Guns Crew. He's the guy that was at the party. Anyway, the first place that he goes to is. Um, it's Henry. Henry? Okay. Yes. First place that he goes to, uh, Henry's lot, um, does not have the, doesn't, he doesn't have the car there. He does say that, uh, Desmond is usually the one who goes out for, uh, convertibles. And so, uh, he says like, oh, he's at this party. And, uh, so that's where they decide to go. That's where, uh, Gunn and Cordy head to. And, um, but... Uh, Henry also has 
DVAC and vampires there. So he was kind of in on it. Yeah. And this is our first look at DVAC. And I hate this. He looks terrible. Yeah, it's like, it's some weird kind of like suit that like, it looks like the guy's on stilts. Right. And, but like his arms are hanging down. And his shoulders are like super broad. But like his torso isn't. And it's like uncanny in all the wrong ways. Yeah, it just looks really weird. Yeah. Like you said, it, it seems like Gunn has really freaked out about DVAC and like, why were you freaking out about this? Guy? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. Yeah, like this it. is a swing and a miss for the uh, villain design, mm-hmm. but what are you gonna do? Um, gonna write a strongly worded letter to Angel and send it. And I'll go to that lake house with the magic mailbox and put it in <laughs> all right then didn't think we get a lake house reference <laughs> in this episode but what are you gonna do um so at they go to the party and oh cordelia she is just sticking out like a sore thumb and as one you know it's kind of crazy that cordelia has the most painful exchange in an episode that has David in it. <laughs> yeah, so first she refers to herself as a working girl. Uh, but then it's like backpedals. It's like, no, 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 I'm not. And then she's like, but I could be. And then she was like, oh, well, that sounds stuck up, implying I could be a working girl and you can't. So then she tells uh, Veronica, Veronica that she could be a working girl. And Veronica's just like, I do not have time for this white girl. Pretty um, much, yeah. Um, and, and we, I think Gunn has been saying that all night. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, while we're on the subject of Veronica, I'd like to introduce to the podcast a new game called um, <clears throat> Spot the Parents from Marvel's Runaways in Early Guest Starring Roles. Because there's a fuck ton of them in Angel. Um, which I noticed the last time I did... Um, like a watch through of Angel, it was like after like the first season of that show had come out, which famously James Marsters was one of them and is was on Angel mm-hmm. for an episode um, and is currently on Buffy. Um, but we will see more than half of them pop up, uh, and this is where it begins. Outside of James Marsters, uh, uh, Angel Parker. Is her name, the actress. Um, And she plays uh, Catherine Wilder on Runaways. Um, And she also just has a pretty impressive career on television. Um, She was in um, uh, Trial and Error, um, which is a really fun show. Uh, She was on American Crime Story. Um, The first season? Um... Oh, that's the wrong one. Um, yes. Okay. That's she, the only one that I've seen. She plays uh, Sean Chapman. Um, guessing a juror? Maybe. Because she is in the a jury the jury in jail episode. That's one of the, the ones listed. So I mm-hmm. bet she's one of the jurors. Okay. Um, uh, and this is actually her very first credit. Oh, um, okay. And very small part, but I thought she was quite good um, in what little we got to got to see her up yeah um she's very much a uh, possibly a romantic a previous romantic partner that's the vibe um, i got yeah um but she's she's somebody that gun cares about a lot mm-hmm. uh they're going through the party and um and it's interesting that the that the wiki doesn't mention this but uh this is like another this is like a thing for gun um cordelia says are you friends with all the all the criminals in the city, and uh, he's like, "Oh, you're assuming that uh, that like those brothers were criminals, like some guys that he had just uh, he just said hey to," and um, and he's like, "Oh, what about your friend David Nevitt? There you go. There's the <laughs> yeah. check off smoking nerd." <laughs> <laughs> but he um, he says that uh, he's like, "Oh, well, you don't know like what he did to? Do you think he was like?" He did. He got rich by doing good things, and Cordy's like, "Well, yeah. I mean, he made this technology to help blind people, and uh, and he like 
gives a lot of his money to charity. And he's like, well, don't see any of that money coming here. And, I mean, I feel like that's somewhat of a fair point. Um, I mean, you can't... You can't give to every single charity because there are so many charities. And as many charities as there are, there are people that don't benefit from them. There are always going to be people that don't benefit from them. So I think... Well, I think Gunn is right for calling out rich people. Um, I I don't know how fair it is to call out David. Yeah. And, well, and it's also that thing you, you see in fiction all the time is the the generous billionaire, you know, who made all of their money, you know, the right way and are super generous with it. And, I mean, the fact of the matter is that's just not true. Like, in real life... The, yeah. You cannot become a billionaire without harming lots of people. Yep. Um, and I also hi, think that... Hi, Jeff Bezos. Right? Thanks for listening to this yeah. podcast. Um, and I do think that that's why, too, that's the... Um, that bit of a writer's... Or the trope of writers can't do math. Um, <laughs> and most writers, they just go, Oh, this person's rich. Billionaire. Without actually really understanding how large a number a billion is. Um, so any, honestly, anytime it's like, we get these like heroic billionaire characters in my mind, I just go, I just like autocorrect the word billion to million mm-hmm. and I'm like, all right, I feel more, much more comfortable here. What about Iron Man? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I still do. All right. I, um, but he's a billionaire <laughs> playboy for playboy philanthropist. Yeah, that's true. He's a millionaire playboy. It should be a pillionaire so a that it, billionaire. We, can, we can have some, uh. <laughs> Some alliteration going. Uh, um, but yeah. I do the same for Batman, too. Like, Fair enough. Um, but yeah, Gunn does eventually find Desmond, but before they can figure out where the car is, um, they uh, the vampires that were previously seen with Henry attack the party, and, uh, they're, and Gunn's able to fight a lot of them, but unfortunately... Veronica gets a big old piece of glass in her neck, yes. and um, she takes it out, and yeah, I know, uh, to our listeners, if you ever find yourself with something sticking into your neck or anything, if you find yourself stabbed by something, I know <laughs> every instinct of you is going to say, like, oh my god, get it out, but don't pull it out, because that'll only allow the bleeding to just completely yeah. accelerate, and Cordelia does her absolute best. And um, as the doctors remark, when they get her to the ER, Cordy's probably the reason that Veronica is still alive. Yeah. Which definitely, I think, uh, while Gunn doesn't react to it, he's more reacting to the fact that he's angry that people get hurt because of some of the stuff that he does. And like how his work comes into his personal life. Um I think he does appreciate it. Yeah. I also love, uh, it's just, it's a, such a tiny moment, but it does, it's just another example of her growth. But, um, I mean, we've seen Cordelia act as the group's medic. Um, mm-hmm. So it's obviously, she's, she's had a couple up. of those uh, patching up scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, this one, not so sexy. Um, well, yeah. Um, but, um, it's clear she's picked up on some stuff and knows what she's talking about because oh, as she's, she's talking to the doctor, yeah, she's talking to the doctor. She's calm, she's collected, and she's like, "This is what happened. This is what I did." She pulled the the glass out before I could stop her, um, but I kept pressure on the wound. She passed out. Um, her pulse is weakening. Like she gives the doctors everything they need to know, and um, and yeah, the doctor tells Gunn, he's like, "Yeah, she is the reason that she's still alive." Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, I love that for her. We don't, we don't check in with Veronica again, but I'm assuming she pulls through. I hope she pulls through. I liked her. Yeah. I feel like, um, I feel that it would have, they would have said, <laughs> they would have sneezed if she died. Yeah. They would have said if she died. Yeah. Um, so Angel and Wes arrive to the party and uh, there's a there's a girl who's like leaving. She's like, oh, something happened. Like these guys are really strong and just trying to get out of here. And that's an angel just clocks her in the face because <laughs> he knows that she's a vampire. 
I mean, I mean, thank God she's a vampire. Right. Otherwise, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, dude? Oh, what the hell, Angel? Um. Oh, and uh, it, it is worth mentioning that um, uh, they uh, at the hospital, Cordy and Gunn catch Desmond right as he's like about to kind of weasel out of there. Yeah. Um, and they're able to get the location from the car, or of where the car is. And it is in a garage uh, when when Gunn and Cordy get there. Um, Dvac does show up. And uh, it's revealed, and honestly, I don't know how much weight this reveal carries. But Zero, yeah, honestly. It's, it's Jamil. The guy that was trying to that Gun was trying to get information from in the first place. It might have worked better if he had come in as Jamil and then transformed into Dvac. Yeah, that might have worked better. But the way it's played is he's Dvac and then transforms into Jamil for no real reason. Yeah, and then changes back for no real reason that I can. Uh, yeah, see. and it's it's really. And also, Jamil didn't really have a lot of importance past that first scene that he's yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah, it it really and I'll I'll I'll, I'll have, I have some thoughts about why a lot of this what doesn't work about this episode and that's part of it. So uh so so uh I almost said Jamil. So mm-hmm. Dvac starts uh choking gun and Cordelia tries to help with her axe, but he grabs her arm and uh Luckily, Cordy has another weapon, <laughs> her mace, and by mace I mean that shit you spray, you spray attackers with, and it works. So good job for Cordy. Good job, Cordy. And uh, a fight ensues. Um, Angel and Wesley do show up. Uh, one of the vampires is laughing at Angel wearing the pink helmet. I mean, bro, you should have just like tried fighting Angel because <laughs> he got smacked right in the face of that pink helmet. Nice. And, uh, and so they do eventually, and, uh, Angel does, uh, kill Dvac. Um, that's weird. In the Buffy wiki, it says that Angel attacks Dvac with a malign pink helmet. I don't think he did that. I think it was just that vampire that was giving him shit. just the vampire. Yeah. Um, but, uh, he, uh, but yeah, um, Cordy's able to toss the axe to Angel, and Angel... Gets it right in Dvac's head. So, he's dead. And uh, they're in the process of getting Angel's car out. Getting that going. Um, but Cordelia says... Cordelia does tell Gunn, like, Dvac is not, was not the danger in the vision. It's Gunn. Gunn puts himself in danger. And he does that not just by, like, running gung-ho into a battle. But also, like, you know, beat up people that he's supposed to get information from. And... Like, make a lot of enemies. And, uh... It's a very interesting scene with Cordelia. Because... There's almost no snark in it at all. Mm-hmm. And it... Honestly, you were talking about how out of character, like, Gun beating up Jamil was. This feels a little bit out of character for Cordelia. I get what the point that they're trying to get across. And that, like, now Cordelia and Gun have a, have a vibe... But at the same time, she really set. She really kind of sounds like like Cordelia's not there. It's more just like, "Hey, here's a message to you, Gun." Mm-hmm. Um, that just that felt very weird for me. Um, I like I like the idea that Cordelia is evolving to where she can make those observations, but that felt like a step too far. Yeah, it felt a little weird. Um, but she does say that she's gonna help him from, like, destroying himself. Yeah. And, uh, so, Angel goes back to the hotel, and, uh, Darla's there waiting for him. She's like, oh, did you save anybody today? And now is when we get, the, there's a very important line. She says, did any of her friends thank you? And he's like, no, and she says, they never do. So now we kind of get a little bit of a hint of malice mm-hmm. in um, in what Darla is doing, uh, because it looks like she's trying to drive a wedge between Angel and his crew, and uh, but you know Angel doesn't care because 
He's Sexy getting laid. Times. He's getting laid. Yeah. And uh, it's revealed that this is yet another dream. But Darla is actually there. Yeah. I love that reveal that, like, okay, like, you know, we could maybe say, like, I mean, yes, we know watching the show that, like, because it's a show about magic and shit that these are probably not just dreams. But, yeah, this reveal that she is physically present and presumably causing the dreams and actively manipulating them uh, and therefore Angel is is really good mm-hmm. yeah. but uh yeah that is the um that is first impressions these are my impressions <laughs> um this episode is a real mixed bag for me yeah i love i love the idea of this gun and cordy adventure just the two of them uh but the stakes are simultaneously too low and too high. Um, and it, I think the, the problem there is DVAC. Um, it's... We're, he's set up to be, like, this huge threat and nemesis for Gunn, and he's just not. Um, so I actually think the problem is that the stokes, stakes are too high. I think it, the stakes should have been just... Angel's car got stolen. It's Cordelia's fault. And she needs Gunn's help to get it back. <laughs> and, like, let the episode have a more comedic edge to it. Two of them having a and having an adventure. Um, getting the car back. Bonding. Getting to know each other better. Um, and then cut the subplot of Wesley and Angel looking for them completely. Because every time we went back to those scenes, I, I was so checked out. I was mm-hmm. like... Just, Wesley's gone after the, like, he goes home. He's just not in the rest of the episode. And Angel, we cut back to Angel's dreams every once in a while. And the rest of the episode just gets to be good character work for Cordy and Wesley. They take on whatever low-level demon they meet at the end who has Angel's car or whatever. The two of them. I think you would have had a tighter episode. As it stands, the episode is... So unfocused. It's all over the place. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I do like the idea of getting a better look into Gunn's world, which I believe is definitely what the writers were trying yeah. to do. Um, the problem is, is that I don't think the circumstances that we see Gunn and Cordelia get into really contribute to the point that they make at the end in that right. weird speech that Cordelia has, I feel like that message almost comes out of nowhere. Yes. Because, um, I mean, yeah, obviously the fighting, like the beating up of Jamil at the beginning is worrisome. But uh, nothing else really suggests that Gunn is on, like, the self-destructive path that Cordelia seems to imply. Yeah. Um so yeah, it, it. But I do like that. I do like we see some of the growth that Cordelia has. I like that Gunn is able to interact with somebody that isn't Angel. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's. It, I'd say this is a bit of a weaker episode. I. I am totally down for all of Angel's dreams with Darla. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I think J. August Richards and Charisma Carpenter are great in the episode. I think they play off each other really well. I think they um, they have much better chemistry later on, even this season. Yeah. Um, I just... Yeah, it's just... And yeah, and D-Vac's design sucks. Um, so, um, it's not terrible, but it's just like, I, I see like an inkling of a much better episode that accomplishes a lot more of what this episode's doing. And... And this is the thing, too, that I'm, we're going to find, um, or at least I find, that is a struggle. I, like, I love Gun. I love Gun. But I find I frequently don't like Gun episodes. Um, and it's, a lot of the times it's because we are in gun fe- Gun-centric episodes. We do feature um, a much larger larger cast of black characters 
who feel but extremely written by, by white, white people. people. <laughs> like, um, uh, and, and you know, they're touching, you know, they tried to touch on some important things and ideas, but it just doesn't, it's very toothless. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I'm going to give this episode, um, two axes and maces. So okay. one axe and one mace. All right. Uh, <laughs> out of five. Yeah, I will give this up. I'm actually right there with you. This is this is a little bit of like on the weaker side of the middle of the run, so I'm not going to give it the 2.5. I'm going to give it the two out of five. Um, songs about clowns. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap this ish up? Nope. I think I think we pretty much said it all. Yeah. Alright. I do have to say though, um, this is the beginning of the storyline with Darla that's gonna be really yes. cool and have some really good payoff. I uh I love everything about the Darla storyline this also, season. Also we just love Darla. We love Darla so much. Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We will be back next week with Buffy season five, episode four. Out of my mind, and just to, to wet your whistles, Harmony has a sizable role in this episode. All right, <laughs> hell yeah, Mercedes McNabb, get that paycheck. We should uh, we should watch uh, Adam's Family Values as well. <laughs> <laughs> I love that clip that I saw. Uh, I haven't seen Adam's Family Values, but um, oh, you haven't? No, I haven't. Oh, it is I just so I just good. saw that clip. And um, it's so great to see that, I don't know how many years is between that movie and her appearances on Buffy, but I love that she, all she did was get bigger. <laughs> she didn't, she did not change in the slightest, and I fucking love yeah. that. I think that was, that movie was 93, I think. Okay. So, um, just a few years. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij357 and on Twitter at just plain old yamij. And I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. Uh, I also write a blog about horror films, horrorbyharrison.blogspot.com, where I write about a different horror film every week. However, this week, it is a special week where I am covering a non-horror film. Uh, it's one of my favorites. Uh, it is V for Vendetta. Okay. Yeah, uh, that... Um... So, interesting thing about that movie. Um, now, I haven't read the graphic novel. Uh, that's honestly some... I have it at home. I should just fucking read it. Um, <laughs> but uh, it... there are a lot of people that love the graphic novel... But as with most movie adaptations, <laughs> they hate the movie, but they believe a lot of the criticisms that I see about it um, is that a lot that the overall tone of the story was changed to be a lot more anti-Bush because it came out mm -hmm, in, in the middle of the Bush presidency. And um, obviously... There are lots of people who aren't fans of George <laughs> W. Bush. So the um so yeah, a lot of people hate that it kind of took that role. However, I believe I watched the movie this year. Um, just went over to a friend's house and they're like, Hey, let's watch V for Like, Sure. And it was my first time watching it in a while, and I think it still holds up. Um I think not only does it hold up, um, but it is terrifyingly relevant. Yeah. Um, the last time I watched it was during the 2016 election. And okay. I was like, holy shit. Well, um, like, so I remember uh, 2017, so early days of Trump and um, that, uh, oh God, what's the blonde woman who said alternative facts? Kellyanne Conway? Yeah. I've like, I've completely lost track of all <laughs> the horrible blonde women involved with Donald Trump. Right. Um, but uh, I read Animal Farm for the first time, and they've got the whole scene where, like, the like the pigs change the rules, and they say, like, what are you talking about? The rules have always been like this. 
like pigs have always gotten this and uh that was it was horrifying yeah. amazing book but <laughs> i mean y'all heard y'all heard the term orwellian good god yeah, good god <laughs> um good god you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out in all those cases. Mm-hmm. And don't forget to subscribe and rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast host of choice. And each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. David, here's something <laughs> for you. Um, this week we're highlighting NAMI. NAMI is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. The nation's largest grassroots mental health organization dedicated to building better lives for the millions of Americans affected by mental illness. What started as a small group of families gathered around a kitchen table in 1979 has blossomed into the nation's leading voice on mental health. Today, they are an alliance of more than 600 local affiliates who work in your community to raise awareness and provide support and education that was not previously available to those in need. Visit www.n as in Nancy, a m as in Michael, i dot org for more information. Yes. And as always, go slay. And be gay. Bye.